welcome to Kohler Mania. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited as we're about to wrap up our section here about teaching our children about sex. And we are wrapping it up today with technology. So we have gone through a couple series. So if you haven't heard that, check out our podcast. So we'll go ahead and get started. I'm Tanya. And I'm Michael. All right. And we're going to get right on into it. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Yes. We're, today we're talking about technology. This is a key aspect of teaching our kids about the S word. We've got to make sure we don't miss this aspect of things because technology will steal away everything that we are trying to do in our discipleship efforts if we don't control it. Technology has just surprised us. It has exploded and gotten away from us, and we've got to rein it in. We are in the information age with an information explosion, which is now morphed into a misinformation or disinformation age where there's conspiracy theories and radical ideology that has just been able to flourish and spread like wildfire in this misinformation information age. We're in the entertainment age, which includes all kinds of tantalizing images and a lot of unbiblical imagery and things going on out there. We, we've got to be on top of this. We've got to rein it in. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We lock the doors, our physical doors to our house, but oftentimes we leave unlimited access, unlocked doors to the internet. And this is very concerning. You know, and the average adult spends 12 hours a day consuming technology compared to the average parent spending seven minutes a day in meaningful conversation with their children. Preteens spend four to six hours a day watching screens. Teens up to nine hours, nine hours a day in screen time. Is there a problem with that, do you think? Yes, major problem because our children should not be consuming that much technology. It really causes a lot of distraction. We have so many distractions already. And even as adult, for me personally, you know, I'm on a computer all day long. And then with the side ministries that we have going on is a lot. And it's really, it's really difficult to stay focused. And so imagine us being focused and then our children trying to be focused. I mean, that's got to be really a difficult thing because children are drawn to that. And so I would say that this is just a, a bad thing. I love technology and technology is wonderful if it's used for God's purposes, but if it's used against God's purposes, then I am not for it. And I want to limit the amount of technology that's being used in our home, especially with our children. Yeah, that's a good point. Technology is not evil. We are not against technology. Technology is a wonderful yeah. thing if used properly, but there's some dangers there with technology if it's just used without any kind of restrictions on it whatsoever. And the problem that can happen is studies show that it is more addicting than alcohol and tobacco. You actually have withdrawal symptoms if you take away the screens. Just put your phone down for a day and see if you have withdrawal symptoms. A lot on the phone and computers is designed and video games and things are designed to be like casinos where there's just all kinds of lights and sounds and quick information darting back and forth in order 
order to grab your attention and give you immediate gratification. And that's very addicting. And it shows that it actually alters how we think, act, and engage with other people. It changes our attention span, our memory, our inability to pay attention, to sit still. There's an intolerance for boredom, memorization, and expending mental energy. It distracts from social engagement. There was a 2020 Ontario child health study that found that three hours a day of passive screen time showed three times more likely to have significant issues with depression and anxiety. There's also links to insomnia. Kids aged 10 to 17 will see 143 sexual images this week on primetime television. You know, these images are not biblical. They're not biblical married images. There are people living together or LGBT issues. There's exposure to pornography that comes with technology. Studies show that 11 years old is the average age for first-time exposure. Sexting is rampant. If you've heard of sexting, putting provocative pictures and racy texts. Studies show, probably not surprisingly, that those that do this tend to be more sexually active. There's radical ideologies that we talked about, conspiracy theories. You have algorithms that are set up to steer you to something that you might like and what is most popular, which ideas that may not be true, but just more popular and that are spreading like wildfire. This is how these radical ideologies have just grown like wildfire in this age because it matters what's more popular than what's actually true. So that's why we, we were in the information age, but we're now what they're saying is the misinformation or disinformation age. And so there's a lot of pressure on the tech companies to rein this in. But now you have the tech companies that are the harbingers of truth and morality. They determine what gets on their platforms and what not. I mean, how ironic is is that? So we've got to be careful. We can't depend on the tech the companies to determine what's true and what's moral. And we've got to be careful about what our teenagers and preteens are seeing. 95% of teenagers have cell phones. 95%. That's almost all. 40% of middle schoolers have unfettered access to the internet. Middle school, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, almost half have absolutely complete access to the internet without any restrictions whatsoever. 60% of high schoolers, well over half of high schoolers, have unrestricted access to the internet. 65% of teenagers admit they have engaged in conversations online with people that they have no idea who it is. They only know them on, online without any idea who they are. 19% have set up face-to-face -face meetings. So it's, it's very concerning, and we can't just let this go by without us as parents being on top of this. Do we know as parents what apps are on our kids' phones? Do we know that? If you look at some popular apps on there, we've seen that in the news like TikTok. We saw where the Chinese government uses TikTok to gather information on those that use it. If Pretty much if you use TikTok, you're giving your information to the Chinese government. I'm not sure I want the Chinese <laughs> government uh, knowing that much about me. And Zoomerang, which is a popular app to edit videos for TikTok, allows tracking so people can track your movements where you are. Discord is a popular chat room for video gamers. Those that are video gamers may be 
familiar with Discord, there's a lot of mature and adult content that's on that. So you think your, your child is just innocently on a popular chat room for video gamers, but not realizing that they can come across very mature and adult content, in some of those chat rooms. And then you get the more racy ones like Hala. It's a popular social networking app that allows people to connect and video chat with random strangers encourages meeting people in person and it'll alert you when you're near people you've been contacting so you can meet up with them. So, you know, kids may have apps like this. Do we know what apps are on our kids' phones? Should they even have phones that have access to these kind of apps? Uh, What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I mean, we need to know what type of apps are on our children's phones. I mean, we're around a lot of teenagers. We're around a lot of different kids. And I would even say kids that are like five years old are holding cell phones. And personally, it upsets me because we're not looking out for the best of our children. We have so much to do on a daily And it's so easy to just give the phone to the child. A teenager, if they have their phone, they kind of keep quiet into themselves, right? And so the parents are able to do whatever it is that they need to do for the day. And it doesn't bring an engagement between the child and the parent or the children and the parent. And that hinders their relationship. And I know with us, of course, our daughter does not do a lot of those things. We'll talk about that in a little bit as you get more into that. But I don't think that it's healthy for us. And it's almost like, do we set boundaries for our children at what age they should really have a cell phone? And should they even have access to these social media apps? And why is your child away from you for such a long period of time that they require a cell phone? I think these are things that parents need to ask is, what are the whys? Why does your child need a phone? And if they're like, well, it's so I'm at a friend's house and um, I can get in touch with you, but why? You know, keep asking those why questions because can't you use the parent's phone to contact me? I mean, I think these are things that we have to think about. And, you know, are we so distracted that we have to give our child something to do with technology? At all times. Yeah, you know, and it's tough as parents. I mean, we can all sympathize with, you know, we have to get something done. And it's really hard when we have children that constantly need to be entertained and to be occupied with something to do. And we're either doing something with them or we got to figure out how to get them occupied and paying attention to that for a long enough time for us to get something done. And it's it's so easy to just sit them in front of a screen and watch a video or play a video game or something to that regard so we can get something done because it does captivate their attention. It's designed that way. But to what damage to that could happen as far as the things that we just talked about before with attention span, where they just don't have any tolerance for memory work or to sit still in church and listen to a sermon for someone talk for a half an hour can be agonizing compared to the entertainment that a video can give that's constantly bouncing around from screen to screen and it's something new and and it just entertains the brain and the brain gets used to that constant need for things to switch up and move around and be something new and can't sit for a classroom lecture for 30 minutes and can't sit in church for a sermon the whole time. Not to mention coming across access to some dangers that are on the internet that they might have access to. And 
you know, violent content that's on there, as well as the topic of today is about the sexual content that's just all over the place on the Internet that can come in contact with. So what do we do as parents? We've got to rein it in. We're not saying that we've got to become Amish and not have any technology whatsoever. But what do we do? And I was really interested in this and decided to research what a lot of the strong evangelical teachers might have to say, the best practices that these experts give on this. And let me share a few things real quickly about uh, what they say. First of all, number one, teach our children that nothing is ever deleted. Once it's out there, it can be out there somewhere forever. So it's a good thing to keep in mind for our children to know that if you're going to post a picture out there, the way that computers work, it may be somewhere on some server or in the cloud or somewhere forever uh, that can come back to haunt them. So be careful on what you take a picture of. Number two, anybody can be anybody on the Internet. You know, you may think that you're talking to a fellow friend, 12 year old girl on the Internet, but you're talking to a 40 year old man, you know, and so anybody can be anybody on the Internet. Number three, never give personal information to anyone online. Number four, never post vacation pictures until you're at home. You know, there's a lot of burglaries that are done by people that have been in your house. If you have a lot of followers and you may not know all these followers very intimately and you're posting all these pictures how you're presently on vacation and nobody is at home, that can cause some issues. Number five, very important, use social media to glorify God and not yourself or your body. First Corinthians 6 says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin is outside the body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not your own. You are bought at a price. So glorify God in your body. And that's a big question we should constantly ask ourselves on what we are posting. Is what we are posting glorifying God, spreading his word, spreading the gospel? Or is it just glorifying ourselves or our body with all these pictures in the mirror? What are we showing off? Number six, Likes and followers don't determine your worth. That can be very addicting as well as we start determining and looking at our posts and how many likes we have. And if somebody doesn't like something that can hurt our self-esteem, it doesn't determine our worth. Our identity is in Christ, our real relationships. Uh, number seven, people only post what they want others to see. And this gives a skewed view of reality. People post airbrushed pictures. And so they, they're only posting what may be going great in their lives. It's not that everybody's necessarily posting all these things that are wrong or or STDs that they have or things like that. It can give us a very skewed view of reality where we think that everybody else has it all together. And why don't I? Because I obviously don't. Well, they don't either. This is an image that they are portraying online. And with all the self-image issues that our kids are having these days, a lot of it has to do with what they are seeing in the media with these unrealistic portrayals of other people and getting a false sense of reality. And it's very important. We have a lot of kids that are having issues with depression. And a lot of the problem is what they are seeing in on the Internet and other social media that people are posting. Number eight, the value of face-to-face -face interaction. There's a difference between social media relationships and real relationships. And we need to teach that to our children, the value of real relationships, where a lot of times we're spending so much time with our virtual relationships, we're not developing those real in-person relationships. And number nine goes along with that. It's very important. We need to have tech-free zones, family time, 
dinner time, when we're out as a family, family get-togethers, church, when we're with someone else, we need to have a tech-free zone. I don't know about you, Tanya, but it, I know going over to the family events, and we haven't seen family for the longest time, and nobody's talking. Everybody's sitting around, and everybody is completely on their phone and, and buried in technology. And I just want to scream out to everybody, can we all have a tech-free zone? Can we all just put our phones in a basket when we walk in this door and actually talk to one another? It might feel awkward at first. We might be used to it because we're used to interacting with everything on the phone, but we'll get used to it. Boredom can do a lot of amazing things when people are just staring at the wall and you're forced to actually talk to one another. Sitting at the mealtime is a great place. Kids who eat dinner three or more times a day are three times more likely to get A's and B's. They have less eating disorders. They're less likely to use drugs and alcohol. They're less depression and anxiety. We need to spend those at least three or more times a week with dinners together. And it doesn't do any good if we're at dinner and everybody's just buried in their own phone. We actually need to interact with one another when we're at the table. We got to have those tech free times. If we're going to give our children technology, we got to have those times where it's nope, now it's time to interact face to face without any distractions from the technology. So what are your thoughts on the tech free zones? Yeah, there's so much here because I know with our family, I'm really um, adamant about us not having our phone at the dinner table. I put my phone over to the side and, you know, our child does not have a cell phone. And we kind of have this rule of we don't bring the phone at the table because we want to talk about the day. We want to have interaction. We want to be able to build a relationship and just hear what what everybody's day was like. I know we have one friend that basically her her kids have phones and when they walk in the door, all the kids put their phones in a basket and they have family time and conversation time and the basket's not touched. And even when they go to bed at night, all phones go in the basket so that the technology is not used in their room by themselves. Like there's accountability. And I like that because that kind of makes the home tech free. But then, you know, what do you do with people that have to work and work from home and there's technology all over the place? That makes it a little bit challenging. Yeah, but you bring up a good point about no technology in the bedrooms. Uh, 79% take devices with them to the bedroom, and there's a lot of inappropriate things that are done all through the night. Another boundary is no technology in the bathroom. Maybe there's an obvious reason for that. Number three is no technology as long as you can, certainly not until a child is a teenager. Um, and then only as a tool, never as a toy, as in no playing games with the technology. It's not for video games. It's not to just have fun. It's, it's to be used to, for to do homework. It's to use to send emails to people, other children that you are collaborating with on a school assignment. We use it as a tool and we teach our children. This is a tool. This is a valuable tool. This is a powerful tool, but it's also a dangerous toy. So we don't use this as a toy. It's a harmful toy. It's a powerful, valuable tool. And we're going to use it as a tool and not a toy. 
if we do give our children technology because we want them to have a cell phone and be able to get in touch with them, perhaps, you know, no web browsers on the phone, computers only in the living room with the password that only parents have and that parents have to be in the room when you are using the technology. Um, so those are important guidelines that we have to, we may draw these lines a little differently, um, and that's fine, but we've got to be on it, and we've, we've got to decide what kind of boundaries that we are going to set and show our children that oh, there are restrictions on this in order for it to be a valuable tool uh, and not a dangerous toy. I know we try to, as parents, we try to be an example to our children, especially the really young ones, because they desire to have a phone. They see all kids that are five and six have phones, which I don't agree with. In our home, we do not do that. And I don't even like it when our daughter holds my phone because it becomes addicting to hold and to want to look at it and browse through it. Not to say that, you know, she's not smart and she could use a smartphone, but it's more of controlling and setting boundaries. But I know on Sundays we try to remain social media free because we are one worshiping the Lord and just setting aside that time and explaining to our daughter a lot that mommy or daddy, when we use this phone, it's either to look up information or the number one is for ministry, to be able to use it for God's glory. It is not for anything else, to communicate with those that we need to communicate with, but also to spread the gospel. It's about talking about Jesus Christ on the technology. And so that helps to communicate that we're not over here playing a video game. We're not over here doing this and that. But yeah, we have to be alert and also present as parents too, because then if we're not present, then our children turn to this technology to get their comfort or attention or whatever it is that they're seeking for online. Yeah. And you alluded to the strong restrictions that we have on technology with our daughter. And when you do strong restrictions on technology, when you introduce some of it, you see how addicting it can be because we've had times where it's like, oh, wow, there's some powerful learning tools that we can have with with school or otherwise or with Bible stories where I want my daughter to see uh, some of the Bible stories in person and acting out and some valuable learning tools on the computer, but even that can grab you. And when you see, you start introducing some of it, you see how addicting it can be because it's almost like the child just becomes obsessed with it and wants more and more and more. And it's, it's just tantalizing to the brain. It's, it's designed, it gives immediate gratification, just constant new information here and there and bells and whistles and things that just really just grab the mind and entertains the mind and, you know, studies show that it, the entertainment centers and chemicals of the brain are firing when kids are watching technology. But a lot of the learning areas of the brain are flatlining in effect. They are at a lower levels than they normally are any other time. Your brain is so active constantly, even while you're sleeping. But it's almost like technology can put areas of your brain asleep and you become um, almost like a mummy. It's, it's like you see their face when they're just glued to a screen and their eyes 
are wide open and their their mouth is open and they just look zombied out. And it's like, great, I get a lot of work. They're zombied out watching this. But that's a, kind of a picture of what's going on in their brain from the studies that they show when they the researchers attach all the electrodes to their brain. And so this is valuable learning time that, that, that their brain could be doing by doing a craft or something that really exercises the brain. And instead, we're just entertaining and firing off the entertainment sections of the brain. And it actually makes it harder for them to sit in a lesson and or a Bible lesson or Bible studies that we are having, family Bible studies with our family or sitting in church and sitting still. We have an epidemic in this day and age where children can't sit still in church. And so we had to have children church so they can be over in children's church so we can pay attention as adults in church. We never used to do that. We used to teach our children to sit still in church and pay attention, maybe sit there and draw a picture. And Mm -hmm. we were able to do that Mm -hmm. to some degree, not perfectly. But now it's we've given up because kids have these days have absolutely no tolerance for sitting still for a 30 minute talk when they're used to technology, giving them a change of scenery every two seconds. Mm -hmm. And so that's we're restructuring and retraining the brain to have very low attention spans, Mm -hmm. while at the same time exposing them to imagery that we don't want them exposed to because we can't watch them all the time and we don't know what they are getting into. So it's very concerning and we've got to get a handle on it if we do introduce technology to our children. And some age we probably are going to have to. It's going to be really hard with all their friends getting cell phones and things like this, and it's really hard to hold that off. I really understand that. But if we give them a cell phone or such because we want to get in touch with them, we've got to make sure we have those technology boundaries on that. And some of the things that I was finding and the suggestions that people were making, um, there's some controls on technology. It's constantly changing, but at the time of the talk, um, let me give you some examples that that I found. There's one program called Open DNS, Open DNS, as in David Nora Sam, <laughs> Open DNS. It blocks almost all pornography, considered to be a pretty good program uh, for blocking pornography. Covenant Eyes, this sends an email alert to whomever you choose that a questionable site was visited. That's good for adults to have, too, that gives you that accountability partner that if any site is visited, it's going to send an email to your accountability partner. As parents, be the accountability partner for our children and have that. They visit a site, we get alerted. We want to have those multiple layers of defense, so we can't go wrong by having a blocker on there as well as something like Covenant Eyes that sends an email in case they bypass it. We also have to have strong consequences if any of these boundaries are crossed. And if we as parents have already have a system of giving very strong consequences with 100% certainty, kids, well, that'll give us some strength as parents when we tell our children that if you cross any of these boundaries and we find out about it, that's the last time you're going to be using this technology while you're under our house. Or at the very least, we tell them who knows how long it will be before you get that cell phone back or access back. You're going to really have to gain our trust back if you bypass, purposely bypass some of these restrictions that we've put in place. Life 360. Here's another one. Life 360. It monitors where everybody is in the family. It also monitors how Faster driving has crashed 
detection. It'll call 911 for you if you're in a crash, so you can monitor where your child is at. They got their cell phone on them. You can look on your cell phone and on your app, and you know exactly where they are. Mobisip, M-O-B-I-C-I-P. Mobisip, it monitors a tablet or phone. Or, you, you know, you can look up child monitoring software and look up stuff. Bark app is another one that's uh, known to be really good for monitoring, uh, child monitoring software. Uh, Grab Wireless has a phone, evidently, that has no access to the Internet, no games, and no social media. So if your concern is about wanting to give your child a phone so you can call them, but you don't want them having access to the Internet, there are phones that do that. They have no Internet, no games, no social media. Grab Wireless is one of those that does that. Technology changes. There's different programs out there. Talk to other parents and find out what technology they are using in order to control the harmful parts of technology. But we got to have something that blocks pornography, uh, something that sends us alerts to when some questionable site has been there, monitoring where our children are at, location monitoring, having those child monitoring software and knowing how to use that with very strict boundaries and strong consequences if any of of these are are crossed and they figure out how to bypass this. uh, We want to make sure that they realize that you may be knowledgeable about technology and if you know a way to bypass this and I find out about it, there are going to be some coming to Jesus moments there. So what are some examples that we do? So one of the things that we do is we do not do TV. We do a lot of crafts and we really expand our daughter to really be creative. And I have seen so much growth in that. I mean, I don't know, maybe you can say something about it too, but she is amazing at drawing. Her drawing has increased in like a year and a half and it's better than what I can draw. Why? Because during the day we do homeschool her But during the day, we don't watch TV. It's about being creative, drawing, coming up with a craft, or if there's something that the homeschool program has for her to do, we try to implement that as well, or puzzles. It's not like we don't believe in, let's watch this, but we really limit we have strong boundaries in our home to limit the amount of technology that's being watched. If we have to watch something on a, like a dinosaur, what did this dinosaur look like? Or what did this type of animal look like? Yeah, we'll use YouTube and we'll scan it and we'll look at it, but we don't ponder it because the way the YouTube feeds are, okay, it shows one dinosaur, then it shows a different dinosaur, then it shows a different type of animal. The next thing you know, you're on YouTube for an hour. So we really limit and say, okay, it's been five minutes, let's stop. Or we used to do uh, in Spanish a super libro, but it's super book and it's amazing. And um, I know that you had found that uh, years ago and our daughter loved it. And it's great. It's amazing. It has wonderful stories in the Bible and very true to the word of God. The only problem is they're about 25 minutes long. And by the time you finish the first episode 25, your daughter or your son is like, oh, well, can we watch one more? Can we watch one more? And then you're up to an hour. So we realized right away, like, okay, wait, 
25 minutes is a long time for a little three-year-old at the time to watch this type of biblical video. And so we set limits and now we don't even watch it. If it's something that we watch, it's definitely a treat. And I know our daughter really appreciates it when we get to watch something. And it's not like we're trying to keep her secluded or like you'll never watch anything in your entire life. (laughs) That's not the case. It's more of let's control it when you have more of a discipline to control what you're watching and the technology, it's good to set that at a young age because by the time you're 13, you may be apt to watch whatever you want if it hasn't been controlled when you were younger. And so we want to glorify God in everything that we do. And so the things that we watch, we want to make sure that they are glorifying to God. We have some pretty deep restrictions on things like Disney. There's other characters. We don't watch anything like Sesame Street. Anything that portrays any kind of LGBT lifestyle or anything that has to do with magic, anything that has to do with something that's against the word of God. And there's a lot of characters in cartoons and all kinds of videos that do not glorify God. It may seem innocent, but it's just one little small thing that you can pick up on and your child's like, hey, I want to do that. I want to do that. And you're like, where did you get that? Oh, you watch that. I let you watch that. So we have to be parents that are diligent to ensure that our kids are not watching inappropriate things and also setting boundaries because ultimately the child does not run the house. Even if they're 13, they do not run the house. It is the parents. The parents have a greater responsibility, Deuteronomy 6, to teach the children in the direction that they need to go to glorify God. And it is our job and duty to stand strong on what we set in our home as a boundary. Yeah. And you make some really good points. And we got to also keep in mind on what else they could be doing instead of watching technology. What is it robbing our kids of what they could be doing? Um, superheroes could be very simple with all the princesses and superheroes, but does it distract from a child wanting to watch Bible stories and read Bible stories and being excited about the heroes of the Bible? I was so excited when our child was first expressing admiration for different heroes, and it was people like David and Esther and people in the Bible. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what we want. But as she starts to get exposed to other superheroes and other characters from other children at church, and now that starts to take away from that. And she starts saying, oh, I really like this other princess, you know, Princess uh, Cinderella or some other, whatever the big princesses are of the day. And we're like, oh, but that's now taking away from mm-hmm. Esther being the mm-hmm. princess that you want to emulate. Or the queen. <laughs> yeah. Or just playing outside and drawing and doing crafts, it can steal a desire for doing those things because they can't compete with the entertainment of technology. And the problem is studies have shown that technology does not exercise the brain near as well as doing a craft or playing outside or drawing. And I remember as a teenager that the energy just kind of left me, you know, that can happen. You know, you have all this energy as a little kid and now when you become a teenager, it kind of leaves. And I turned to TV quite a bit and friends would come over and ask to come outside and do some things. And I, I would hide up in my room and just watch TV. And uh, my mom 
did a lot of good things about doing restrictions. We had summer times, at least, where there's no TV summers because I don't want you sitting in the house all summer just watching TV. You're going to go outside and play. It's amazing the things that you'll find to do that are really creative. They're interactive with other people and that exercise the brain when we are forced to do so or otherwise be bored. But when there's technology around, then it's a real easy entertainment to go straight to that and not do any of those things. And so that's how it can be so captivating. And then it lures you in to some of these dangers uh, that are out there and exposes our children to those things as well. So that's why we have a lot of restrictions on technology. We've got to be on top of it. We've got to delay it as long as we can. When we do introduce it, use it as a tool, never as a toy. And do what we can to just protect our children from it. We've got to be on top of it. This is great stuff. And I'm so excited that we had an opportunity to go through the discussion about technology and the importance of it, because we need to be on top of it. If not, the world will be on top of it. And then we lose that amazing relationship with our children. And remember, the home is where we disciple. And so if we can't disciple and we're allowing technology to disciple our children, then we've already lost our children. So it is really important that we stand strong and set biblical boundaries in our home. So that ends this podcast. And we're just really excited and just pray that, you know, if you do have technology and your children are watching it a whole lot, you know, just pray that the Lord would show you how to minimize that in your families. As we wrap this up, again, we appreciate all our followers and we're so thankful for each of you. Until next time. God bless.